I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. Thanks in part to the help of the business community and the Rio Grande Valley Partnership, the legislature has approved an additional infusion of $6.5 billion in new education funds. Steve Taylor spoke to the chief operating officer for the Commit Partnership, Cigar Desai. It's $6.5 billion of new funding for public education, uh, as well as about $90 million of funding um, in Hidalgo County. I was struck by another one aspect of it, which for me, for this region, is very important, the dual language component. Tell us what's in the bill to improve that. So currently, currently they incentivize, or the, the legislature funds bilingual instruction, um, but all the research points to dual language, which is an immersion program. So half the students are English language learners and the other half are native English speakers. And so dual language is an opportunity to bring them together, reduce classroom segregation, but it's also an incredibly impactful practice in terms of increasing English proficiency. Um, so the bill gives about 50% more funding compared to bilingual instruction. Not forcing it on districts to do it, but pro providing a financial incentive, especially because it's more expensive to implement dual language programs. Yeah. Um, well, covering the cat the legislature a few years back, I remember speaking to some of the advocates for yeah. for um, bilingual education, dual language education. That um, the legislature didn't always support this, um, and it was quite a struggle uh, to get funding and, and yeah. any concentration on that issue. Yeah. But it seems so that's changed. Yeah, I, mean, I think there are some political realities to it, but because um, of the changing demographics, the changing demographics. The reality is, is one in five kids in Texas are English language learners. If you want better outcomes, it's going to be making sure that we're funding the things and, the, and funding the students that need it. Yeah. And then another point that you said that shocks the business community, that statistic you read out, 60% of Texas students are low income. Yep. Three in five students are low income. 90% of the enrollment growth we've seen in Texas over the last 10 years has come from low income students. And who defines low income and what is it? Yeah, it's a federal definition of free and reduced price lunch that um, that we use to define low income. Mm -hmm. And was that stat there, the, re the rest of that sentence was, if I got it right, and that population, that 60%, achieved nearly half the rate, the, the educational attainment rate, I'm guessing, of more affluent peers, of their more affluent peers. Is that, did I read that correctly? So obviously, if you're more affluent, it's probably you're going to get a better education. Right. I mean, I know what's true is one in 10 low-income eighth graders complete some form of a post-secondary degree in Texas. And that number is higher if you're not low-income. So as you go around the state uh, talking to the business community, that's a statistic, that 60% that shocks everybody. Yep. Yes, it is, it is such a critical... It, 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 it's a realization that Texas looks different than many of us. When we grew up and were in public, public schools, it looked very different. And so we, we have this concept, I have this concept of, oh, well, you know, these are middle middle class kids, whether they be lower middle class or upper middle class, but they're, you know, they're, they're okay. Why are our education outcomes failing? And it's a complete shift when you're saying, well, no, more than half of our kids are low income. Um, they have a whole different set of problems that go outside the four walls of the school. And it's not to say that poverty can be an excuse. We've got to continue. We can find ways to overcome that in the classroom, but it takes a different type of investment. The executive director, Texas Education Grantmakers 
Advocacy Consortium, Jennifer Ischelein, explained that the legislature recognizes the correlation of income level with educational attainment. It's really a recognition on the part of the legislature through this school finance bill that poverty does matter. We need to acknowledge it. We need to understand that these are our kids, that they're not some subpopulation of kids. This is the majority of our children. Poverty does matter, and poverty is not an excuse. That's right. Mm -hmm. right. And Jennifer, you were saying that you believe, your your argument is that the business community, when you you did this tour a year ago around the state, that the business community did get engaged at your request they went to Austin and that helped produce the results that you got with that that legislation. For sure absolutely and they didn't just do it in Austin they did it in their own community so you saw an enormous, I mean speaking of your your employer I mean the fact that the business community was signing op-eds that they were speaking out in press conferences about the importance of of meaningful reform was absolutely critical and and I think that the legislature, sometimes business folks would testify during the legislative session. Um, they would meet you know, privately with individual lawmakers and especially the leaders, so the speaker and the lieutenant governor and the governor. But there was a very clear recognition in January, right after we left McAllen and, and, and ended up back in Austin in January, that the legislators, particularly the leadership, heard loud and clear that if they didn't do something about school finance, they would have to have to deal with it when the elections came around. <laughs> One very concrete example was in the middle of the session, 40 business CEOs of, of fairly large corporations from across the state signed a letter making sure that there was specifically um, funding for early childhood, and they published it in major um, news, uh, newspapers across the state as a way to really show that the business community is watching and paying attention. And I, I mean, it was amazing. I hadn't seen other states do have that type of movement from the business community. Half of all kids, zero to eight, are, are English language learners. And in the Valley, it's probably higher than that. You can't hide from that, can you? I no. guess the legislators, legislators would, would have to understand. And even more impressive, because they're talking about early education, that doesn't have immediate payoff, right? No. I mean, these business folks that have enough vision to say, these are kids we need to invest in now for 20 years from now. And you also mentioned today that the, the efforts have to continue, that yeah. this business community of the Valley needs to keep being engaged, to keep the conversation going, to keep going to Austin. Yeah, absolutely. On that? Sure. Um, so there's then a built-in now... Um, because this is written into the formula, the school funding formula, it, it, there is an expectation on the part of the state that they will continue to fund this into the future. And if that is true, then we are going to at some point have to talk about new revenue sources to be able to do that. On top of that, some of this incentive funding, if you were to play it out to its fullest extent, let's say it's the most successful version of how it could be, means a whole bunch of new money. So there's the conversation about new revenue, and then there's also setting the expectation that when you're talking about just, you know, 18 months from now, coming back into a legislative session and saying what the expectation that all of these things that we've said are going to happen are there it is, 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 is absolutely unrealistic. Some of these things will take years to roll out. The pre-K example is a great example of that. If you're talking about full-day pre-K funding, uh, full-day pre-K for a lot of these districts, they can't do a full-day program now. That will take 
take years for them to do that. And so they'll get a waiver until they can make that a reality. But that is the reality of it. This because your concern is that, um, that maybe the general public, maybe the legislation themselves would say, we did it, we funded it, we passed the bill, then it can ease up and, yes. and uh, it'll all happen. <laughs> you know? yep. Is that fair? Uh, that is the, the, concern? The, the concern is very true. I think, um, like I, I was saying earlier, getting the policy passed is one of the hardest parts of this work, but making sure that the policy really translates into the successful implementation and that the spirit of it is carried forward is going to be the most important part, that we need to have districts and teachers engaged in the process. Uh, we need to have districts and teachers engaged in the process. Uh, districts, teachers, other stakeholders engaged in the rulemaking and giving feedback to make sure that we can really implement this well. Um, because it, it's not just about getting the, the money. It was, it's ultimately about making sure outcomes improve. And from your travels on this tour around Texas, <laughs> are you finding that the business community gets that? They understand it and they'll be staying engaged? I think so. I, I feel pretty optimistic. I don't think... I think that the business community knows how much effort they put in this time. And so they want to they want to continue that engagement. Agreed. Anything else you'd like to say for our audience about your visit and the importance of this topic and that everyone stays engaged? I'll just say, like, I think that, and Jennifer said it uh, in the presentation as well, that the work that's happening in RGV is very well respected um, given the level of poverty, despite the level of poverty, um, the, the, the districts in South, South Texas are doing an incredible job relative to the rest of the state. And even then, we have to go farther. We're only 43, 44% of our kids are reading on grade level in South Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley. We need to take it to the next level, even though they're doing better in the rest of the state. That figure, I'd heard that figure, that percentage, is that higher or lower than the rest of the state? It's a little bit higher. It's a little bit higher. So we think it's bad, but it's actually better than the state Yeah, I average. think the state might be like almost at 43. So we're, we're talking about a percent point difference at best. But again, it goes back to we still have more than half of our kids not reading. Incredible. And, and, and that's not to shame a district or because they're doing hard work. Um, and it's just how do we not only provide the resources, but the technical support to get to the next level. Yeah, I would just say everything Sagar just said, and it's incumbent upon folks in the Valley, educators, administrators, and community members, business folks, to talk about what's happening here and how this this new infusion of funding is or isn't getting the job done, right? So we need to just, this is the beginning of the story, really. We need to t continue to talk about what else it's going to take to get us to the 60 by 30 goals that the state has identified. So, you know, tell your stories, shine shine light on your bright spots, but also tell us what's not working. Sigar Desai and Jennifer Esterline recently spoke at the Far Economic Development Corporation offices to engage with the business community about the importance of public school finance reform.